Welcome back to Cats Cast, the bi-weekly podcast featuring history, interviews, arts and culture, sustainability, and the outdoors in the Catskill Mountains and Hudson Valley. Cats Cast is supported by WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskills, reflective, responsive, and supportive at 91.3 FM MTC Cable Channel 20, WIOXradio.org, and with any smartphone radio app. Alexa, play WIOX. And by the 52-mile Catskill Mountains Scenic Byway, following New York State Route 28 through the heart of the central Catskills. For maps, itineraries, and links to area restaurants, shops, and accommodations, visit scenickatskills.com. Over the years, Silver Hollow Audio has produced a number of audio driving guides, including tours of art, history, and outdoor recreation. This week, we've pulled out our Outdoor Adventure Guide, produced in 2016 in association with the Catskill Mountains Scenic Byway. It's chock full of ideas for your next hiking, paddling, cycling, or fishing trip. Peter Manning is our tour guide, with specific spots on the map heading west on Route 28 from Olive to Andes. Plus, we'll hear from some of the Catskills' most experienced outdoors people on those very trails and waterways. We've pulled a few bits of outdated info, but trail access and sporting regulations do tend to change, so please be sure to check maps and local guides for updates. There have also been some major additions in the past few years, like rail explorers out of Phoenicia and the Ashokan Rail Trail with trailheads in Woodstock, Shokan, and Boyceville. To hear about the rail trail, check out Catscast episode 30. So grab a map and a notepad, because this episode is loaded with ideas for your next outdoor adventure. Welcome to New York's Catskill Mountains and the Catskill Mountains Scenic Byway. I'm Boyd Gaines. You're listening to the Outdoor Adventure Driving Guide, designed to inform, entertain, and inspire as you wend your way through the mountains from the town of Olive to Andes, New York. Hear from local hikers, cyclers, and paddlers with specific location-based recommendations from tour guide Peter Manning. Hi, I'm Peter Manning. I live in the Western Catskills, and I feel very fortunate to be able to live around here in part because there's so many outdoor recreation opportunities. And also, over the course of about seven years as the regional planner at the Catskill Center, I had the opportunity to bring these six towns and villages together to help create this scenic byway. I'd like to point out some of my favorite spots. I think you'll enjoy them too. Also like to mention that Scenic Byway has a website and that's scenickatskills.com. And many of the places that we'll be talking about are explained in these interpretive itineraries and maps that we have on the website. So be sure to visit that. The Catskill Mountain Scenic Byway starts at the border of the town of Olive. And right at that point, you begin to get a sense of what the landscape is about. There's a, a lake on your right, a mountainous backdrop, and on the left is a heavily wooded area which is actually surrounds the Ashokan Reservoir, and that goes on for several miles. So you begin to get a flavor of it, and as you go along through Shokan, some of the mountain views really start to open up. Oh, hi. Okay, uh, my name is Paul Misko. Um, my family 
bought a place in Woodland Valley back in 1960. And so uh, since that time, I've been coming up here with them and actually at a young age started going off on my own on walks and hikes and it was in the Boy Scouts, so I would always be prepared. But I, I think as young as 11 and 12, I would get my canvas rucksack and head up the mountainside and uh, parents didn't really worry too much about it, come back for dinner. And so I've been in just enjoying the upper part of Woodland Valley, especially hiking the mountains around here, Wittenberg, uh, Slide, Cornell, Giant Ledge, of course, many times slept out on Giant Ledge. And it's just, uh, you get so used to a place and it becomes such a part of your life. I started one of the many hiking groups in the Catskills, the uh, Catskill 4000 Club. There's a great group, the 3500 Club, and they do a lot of great work and such, but I don't have time for 35 mountains. So I just picked the two tallest, Slide and Hunter, and started the 4000 Club, and it's just a small group. But we do service projects. If you go to Hunter Mountain and use the outhouse, we put a new toilet seat there. Paul Misko's seamless mix of dry wit, nature knowledge, and history makes him an all-around excellent hiking guide. He led us up an old bark road in Woodland Valley. A bark road is a very minor road, narrow, used to bring hemlock bark from the mountainsides down to the tanneries in the winter. These bark roads are all over the mountainsides. Uh, once you see one or two, you start getting better at spotting them in the 1830s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Tanneries would get hides from all over the world, from California, South America, Texas, and these hides would be shipped up the Hudson. They needed tannic acid to tan the leather, and they found that hemlock bark was rich in tannic acid. So all spring and early summer, they would have hundreds of men go into the forest and cut down the huge hemlock trees, peel the bark off, stack the bark alongside these little roads they'd make, bark roads. And then in the winter, teams of oxen and sleds would go up and load up on the bark and bring it to the tannery. They would grind up the bark in the tannery, put it into hot water, make a solution, pour that into vats, giant vats, and put the hides in. And over several months' time, they would turn these raw hides into fine leather goods for military use, for everyday use for everybody, shoes, saddles. There was a lot of leather used in a day. And so after the Civil War ended, there was, of course, very little demand for leather as there was surplus to sell off from the war effort. And a lot of the tanneries were forced to close. In 2013, I wrote an article in Catskill Life where it was my contention, and so far nobody has disagreed with it, no, none of the forestry people, that we are actually better off because the bark peelers mostly clear-cut the mountains in the Catskills. It is not great to have a near monoculture of hemlock or any tree because one invasive species can wipe out all of the hillsides. And because the bark peelers cut down so many hemlock trees, what came in its place was a healthy, diverse forest. And also the land that was now stripped of its main economic source was given back to the state. And the state was able to start the Catskill Park. It became public land, open to everybody. So because of the tanning industry, 
Uh, although it seemed like a terrible idea environmentally, it did have a happy ending. And we have a healthy, diverse forest and all this land, thousands of acres publicly held for public use that will be looked after carefully now. We'll hear more from Paul later in the tour. Back to Peter. One of the first major offshoots along the scenic byway is the Reservoir Road in Chokan. And if you're heading west, it's going to be a left turn. There'll be signs that are going up for the Ashokan Promenade. And that is reached in about two miles after a spectacular view when you cross the dividing weir for the Ashokan Reservoir. And to the west are some major views of Slide Mountain, which is the highest, and some of the other high peaks that surround it. And as you get to the other side of that bridge, you will encounter that Ashokan Promenade, which is excellent for walking and cycling. It's vehicle-free, it's very flat, and it's probably about five miles round trip, so it's not extensive on the promenade, but you can link up many of the side roads, including Route 28A to the west is popular. Parts of it offer views to the north, where you can see the Devil's Path Range, another famous range here in the Catskills. And when you get to the other side, you'll be on 28A, and there's a scenic loop opportunity to take 28A to the west and rejoin the scenic byway at Boyceville. Along the way, you will pass yet another scenic road, and that is Watson Hollow Road out of West Shokan. This leads to a couple of the very popular hikes being High Point, a Shokan High Point mountain, actually. Farther up the road is the trailhead to Peekamoose Mountain, and you can continue on from Peekamoose and go to other high peaks. Beautiful landscape, rigorous hikes, but uh, very popular. The Ashokan Reservoir is an excellent fishing spot. Uh, it requires a permit from New York City DEP, and once you get that permit, there are vast areas of access. You can also, again with a permit, put a boat on the reservoir, a rowboat for fishing purposes, and uh, you'll see all the boats along the shoreline, how popular that is. It's a natural hatchery for the fish. The fish come up from that reservoir, they go into the tribs, Actually, a lot of the rainbows will come up to a little side spot and they'll breed right in the Esopus. I think it's a natural having the Ashokan Reservoir down there because it lets the fish grow. And the same thing happens in the Papaxon. The nice big browns, they come up out of there. And that's why the uh, East Branch in Morganville closes to fishing September 30th. And all the tribs close because there's an early spawning run from there. And big browns, so the papacton does the same thing. It lets these fish have a place they can go to grow up and just about have all the feed they want. Um, I am Hank Rope, big Indian guide service. I, I guess I've been guiding here on the Esopus for 21 years now. And I love it, this is the greatest place there is. I moved to Big Indian uh, because a friend of mine recommended it and from here I can fish the Esopus, the Nevisink, the East Branch of the Delaware, the Schoharie, all within 20-25 oh, minutes and um, that doesn't even count all the tributaries that come into the Esopus. 
and the little creeks here that are absolutely loaded with brook trout. Little teeny brook trout. Most people don't want to fish for them. They're only four to five inches in these little brooks and crannies. And uh, the brook trout will come up with a little two-weight rod. Put on a little, my favorite one is an Adams or a North Sable Wolf. And these guys come up and they have no fear when they come up. It's a sight to see. And they're a lot of fun to catch and they're beautiful, beautiful fish. Probably the only time I cook anything is when I'm with my granddaughter in the uh, Adirondacks. But I would say 99 and 9 tenths of my customers are catch and release. It's the way to go. I refrain from letting a customer keep a rainbow. If they want to keep a brown trout and kill it, I'd be happy to kill it from. But um, the rainbows are precious, and there are some beautiful rainbows in here. They come up right where we are. They come all the way up here, all the way up to my house. They're wild. When you hook a rainbow, he or she is going to jump like crazy. They're, they're wild fish. They're a little bit different than the browns and the brookies because they spawn in March. After three years here, they go down to this Shokan Reservoir, and they grow up and instinct brings them back. And sometimes, without exaggerating, I've had customers catch maybe six or seven between 16 and 18 inches. The guy will come back the next week and there'll be nothing because they're gone already. They're here in April, they drop their eggs, and then back down to the reservoir. If I had to say three weeks where you can really catch the big ones, then again, in July and August, um, you have a lot right now of eight, nine-inch ones. And they're a heck of a lot of fun on a fly. You know when you hook one right away, because almost guaranteed it comes out of the water. Without breaking too much, the most I ever had any one person catching an evening was 34. That hasn't happened in quite a few years. They're finally, I think, starting to come back from the devastation of that hurricane five years ago. They came here, the eggs were brought in from California in the 1880s, the early 1880s. They were here, and a few years later, the Browns came. And uh, local guys, like Ralph Hoffman, would always refer to them as the damn German Browns because they felt that they pushed out the rainbows and the brook trout. May or may not be true, I don't know, but when you catch a 16-inch brown trout, you got a nice fish. And opposite of the way the rainbows come out of the water, the browns many times will seek the bottom or seek cover. That's the way they are, and sometimes um, they're going to break your tackle. More from Hank right after this. Hi, it's Peter again, and continuing west on 28 and heading into Boysville, you're greeted with some mountainous views in the background, in particular Carl and Mount Tremper are some of the peaks that you see. Boysville is where the Esopus is a creek, or river actually, and it is above the reservoir. So you begin to really get a sense of this scenic byway with uh, mountains surrounding you with public land, as well as the Esopus flowing through the valley. A little further on up the road, you will see the signs for the brand new Catskill Interpretive Center. If you're looking to get acquainted with the many opportunities in the area, including outdoor recreation, of course, uh, I recommend a, a stop. They have trails on site in addition to the interpretive displays inside the building. 
And there's always somebody there to help you out and tell you about the special places. And they're so numerous that you'll need several days to check them out at least. Coming out of the Interpretive Center and turning right, continuing to head west on the scenic byway, you'll get to the hamlet of Mount Tremper in a short distance. And again, there's some opportunities that lie up this road. In particular is the Kenneth Wilson State Campground that's reached at the first right turn uh, up to 12 out of Mount Tremper. And it's an excellent state-run facility. It's got several primitive tent sites as well as numerous RV sites. And there are some on-site recreational opportunities, including mountain biking, boating, and nature trails as well. If you were to continue on 212, you would go up a pretty valley and eventually at the top arrive at Lake Hill. And there's an opportunity to access the Devil's Path Range up Mink Hollow Road at the Mink Hollow Trailhead. If you were to make the first left turn after turning on 212, you would be on the Back River Road and you would come to the Mount Tremper Trailhead. And Mount Tremper is very popular because there's a fire tower on top with, of course, excellent views. The climb is rather steep, so it's a good workout. I recommend that hike. The Mount Tremper Fire Tower is one of five inside the blue line of the Catskill Park. All these have volunteer staff on the weekends in the warm season, generally speaking from May through October. And if you're interested in volunteering, you could probably find a position on one of these. I'm either working or fishing. I wear out a pair of wading shoes every season. Is that a hint? 160 days a year, maybe. I don't think I ever want to leave here. The fishing's fantastic here. It's better than the Adirondacks, I think. I go to the Adirondacks just to get away and fish a different place and camp, and I always have the feeling that the fishing is better here in the normal year under normal conditions. The diversity of the streams, if we just talk about the Asopus, it's just, wow, you can be up here and fish this little bit of white water. You can fish giant pools. You can go through Huddle's Flats and fish between giant boulders, and the fish are there. And a lot of people that, for the first time, want to get started in fishing. If you're a resident of Ulster County, you can walk up to the library and check out a fly rod or a spinning rod. I like it when they call me and say, hey, let's go fishing. And then I supply people with the rods at no charge. What they do need, if you're going to fly fish, they'll have to rent waders, which are available locally. Then it's just a matter of, hey, let's get out on the stream and do it. 20 miles of fishable stream. It's a great place. We have some nice restaurants in town. If the fishing's off, so to speak, on the Asopus, 20 minutes later, you're on the East Branch. 20 minutes in the other direction, you're on the Schoharie Creek. In the early spring and the late fall, Schoharie's a great place. So there's a lot of opportunities here for somebody that wants to fish. And if you're going to take your kids out for the day, I recommend two things. One is the little pond in Pine Hill, and the other one, the freebie, on Tiora Lake right outside of Kingston. Great place to take a kid. Get a <laughs> inexpensive rod, some worms, and the kid's gonna catch a lot of little fish. Yeah. 
I love standing here listening to the creek. <laughs> this is what it sounds like from my bedroom window. So that's, I guess that's why I live here. <laughs> it's beautiful. Hi, this is your guide Peter again and heading west on 28 from Mount Tremper. Uh, more spectacular views as you roll along of the Esopus and you soon get to Phoenicia. And that has its own hiking opportunity right in the hamlet. And that's the Tambark Trail. It's accessible from the village park. It's a short hike. It's steep and there are lots of uh, interpretive panels along the way about the tanning industry and excellent views from the top, uh, including of Panther Mountain, and you can even see the Shanga Mountains to the southwest. The scenic byway goes into the hamlet of Phoenicia by design so that the main streets can be celebrated along with the scenic route. And uh, as you go into the hamlet of Phoenicia, you will see State Route 214, and that heads up north to Stony Cove Notch, fantastic scenery. And this is also a part of not only the Catskill Mountain Scenic Byway, but at the county line with green, it becomes the Mountain Clove Scenic Byway. And like so many of these offshoots, there are opportunities, especially for hiking and other recreation. On 214, you have the Diamond Notch Trailhead uh, out of Lanesville. You have the Warner Creek Trail, which is north of Lanesville, and it's a beautiful hike up the shoulder of Plateau Mountain, which will put you back on the Devil's Path. And then continuing up to the actual Stony Clove Notch, you have the Devil's Tombstone Campground. This is a popular spot for ice climbing, and that's where the Devil's Path crosses its only major road, that being 214. The Devil's Path is a 24-mile hike over several of the high peaks in the Catskills. Very steep and challenging. It often gets written up nationally as one of the greatest hikes in the East, and this is a major point to access it. Heading west on the scenic byway, past Phoenicia, you come to the signs for Woodland Valley, which heads to the south, deep into the mountains, and does not pass through to the other side you'll soon cross the Esopus Creek again and really begin to get a sense of some of the opportunities, not only for uh, tubing, but also for fishing because it is right near this bridge that the Woodland Valley Creek comes down into the Esopus. And the Woodland Valley Creek itself has several state-designated fishing areas that are popular among trout fishermen in the area. Also, when you come over that bridge on the Esopus, there's a new trail to your left it goes up Romer Mountain, and it connects with the trail to Wittenberg, and it's a spectacular new addition to the trail system in the Catskills. If you continue up Woodland Valley Road, you'll get to the state-run Woodland Valley Campground at the head of the valley, tent camping as well as uh, RV hookups. Also, right at the campground, there are hiking opportunities. One of them goes up uh, Wittenberg Mountain, and you can continue on to Cornell Mountain and Slide Mountain, the highest. And if you're really ambitious, you can make a large loop out of it and return to Woodland Valley. That's upwards of a 20-mile hike, I believe. The other opportunity right from the Woodland Valley campground is to hike up to Giant Ledge. It's a very popular spot, excellent easterly-looking views. And beyond that is Panther Mountain, again with excellent views, and that's a high peak. Heading west past Woodland Valley, 
the scenic character here really begins to pick up. You'll see an option for a hiking trail called Fox Hollow on your left. There's a lean-to. That's an alternate way to go up Panther Mountain. Soon thereafter, you'll encounter Route 42, which is another spur of the scenic byway. This one going up to the Deep Notch, a spectacular drive through the notch on up uh, into Greene County. Also, if you turned on 42, you have the opportunity to follow old Route 28 along the Esopus Creek, and there are some designated fishing areas along that stretch. If you stayed on the scenic byway, I really feel this is the wildest stretch. You're running along with the Esopus, and the wooded mountainsides are undisturbed on both sides of the road, and there are large tracts of public land which you can access. In late summer, we met up with Heather Roberts and rode alongside her as she cycled up Woodland Valley Road. I'm a physical therapist. I live in Shandaken, New York, which is right on the 28 corridor, cycling the roads of Woodland Valley in Shandaken right after work. I do both road cycling and mountain biking. Sometimes it's by convenience. A lot of times if I'm trying to squeeze something in after work, the road bike is just easier. Mountain biking, I kind of have to be in a certain place. There's some good mountain biking up at Bel Air, so sometimes that's convenient. There's mountain biking at Wilson State Park, which is great, and an area called Jockey Hill. It's also great mountain biking. So the only problem is that you typically have to drive to the trails. So sometimes that takes more of my window. When I first got into cycling, I started on a group ride through uh, the Overlook Mountain Bike Shop in Woodstock. And on that ride, I met this really cute guy that became my husband and the father of my kids. And uh, shortly after I started riding on their group ride, they asked me to be on their team. So I've raced for them in mountain bike races for many years. I probably do a lot less racing now that I have kids, but I try to do a few here and there. I've got anywhere from beginner racers to pro racers on the team. The common interest is cycling. So you've got people that are doctors, lawyers, um, electricians, teachers, principals, <laughs> people from different walks of life that just come together for their love of cycling. So it's a great community. The guys there have maps, all the local trail networks. You can rent a bike there, fix up your bike or tune it up as you need it. You know, living in this area where there's just beautiful road biking and mountain biking. You know, it is somewhat easy to catch your outdoor fix between work. A lot of times when I'm leaving work in the morning and I know I have a window before I pick up the kids or wherever I have to be, I'll throw my bike on the car or my running shoes if I decide to run. My routine is about, if I'm lucky, four to five times a week. And a lot of that depends on work schedule, kid pickup, busy lifestyle stuff, but uh, spring and summer, I find myself more on my bike. In the winter, when it's colder, I'm probably running a little bit more. It's definitely my way of relieving stress, staying fit and healthy, setting an example for my kids. But also, I work indoors all day, so I really crave that being outdoors. Um, and both cycling and, and trail running has really allowed me to cover a large area of the Catskills at a slower pace to appreciate the roads, the trails, the mountains. In terms of hiking, 
and trail running, definitely Devil's Path, the Giant Ledge area. It's great for trail running, Slide, Wittenberg, Cornell, Romer Mountain. You know, compared to out west, uh, in the mountain bike scene, it's much rougher, rockier, rootier, technical. It's very challenging, but also very rewarding when you can develop that skill. The mountains in the Catskill are also extremely challenging, but again, compared to out west, so much less crowded and so much more pristine. Your next hamlet that you'll come to is Big Indian. To the south, if you turn left on the Olivery Big Indian Road, there are five areas to hike up there. Lost Clove, McKinley Hollow, the very popular Giant Ledge. That's a short hike to a fantastic overlook. It's a good family hike. And then continuing around the hairpin turn up the sharp hill, you will get up to the crest of the mountain. It's actually the dividing line between the Hudson and Delaware watersheds. And soon after passing Winnesook Lake, you will see the trailhead for Slide Mountain on your left. And again, that's the highest mountain in the Catskills. And the hike up to it is not too difficult. And there are some great views on the way up. Continuing along Ulster County 47, the Big Indian Olivery Road, you will get to the Biscuit Brook Trailhead. And there's a lean-to accessible there. And like many trails in the Catskills, uh, this one connects to the larger system and you can traverse several peaks and have a multi-day backpacking trip, for instance, or you can just do a nice day hike and come back. Now we're heading west uh, from Big Indian, and very early on you'll see another opportunity for hiking, cross-country skiing, as well as camping, and uh, that's Rochester Hollow. And I like this one because it's an easy walk for a mile or so along an old road. It used to be an old estate, and you parallel a uh, beautiful stream as you gradually climb up this valley. So the road uh, affords for good cross-country skiing in the winter, and uh, a new lean-to at the top of the valley for overnight camping. Continuing west from Rochester Hollow, you'll soon see the signs for Bel Air Beach, otherwise known as Pine Hill Lake. Very popular summer spot. There's swimming with lifeguard. It's a state-run facility. There are kayak rentals. There are picnic tables, volleyball courts, horseshoes. And there's actually a hike up Giggle Hollow from the back of this site. That'll bring you up to Bel Air Mountain, where there are other hiking trails. Just beyond Bel Air Beach, the scenic byway goes into Pine Hill, which is now designated a historic district and there are restaurants and shops. Once you're in Pine Hill, you can actually take Elm Street, which crosses Route 28 and turns into Birch Creek Road. And heading north on Birch Creek, you'll see signs leading you to the Birch Creek day use area. This is a neat little family spot, for instance, with a small pond and some fishing opportunities. Like Rochester Hollow, it's part of an old estate that was in existence much more recently. Heading west out of Pine Hill, the scenic byway again returns to State Route 28. Halfway up the hill to Bel Air, at the top of the hill, you'll see your turns for Bel Air Ski Center. It's a state-run ski facility. 
there's mountain biking opportunities, some organized events, as well as trails that are open for recreational riding. There are cross-country ski trails that are designated and they're able to be used free of charge. It's a very popular destination for many reasons. Meanwhile, back on the trail with Paul Misko as we approach the north side of Slide Mountain. Right here is a spot where Burroughs talks about uh, do we see the summit of Slide or not? It's hard to make out for such a the tallest mountain in the Catskills. It's one of the most difficult mountains to see. Farmer Larkins, who told John Burroughs about this route, said a lot of people try to come up this way to Slide and go back discouraged because they weren't sure where they were going. We're at the site of the burnt shanty. This was a bark peeler shanty that burned down. And luckily, because of Burroughs' essay in 1885 on his hike, he mentions that the shanty burned 25 years previous. So we have a date for the burning of the bark peeler shanty, 1860. They had a cast iron wood stove in it, the remains of which are strewn about. And Julian Burroughs writes about his father and him camping out up here, and they would often cook their trout on a piece of iron. And you'd wonder, where would you find a piece of iron in the woods? Well, there's a lot of it around here from the old cast iron wood stove that was in the bark peeler shanty. So there's all bits of the, the stove here. There's lots of old nails. And also what I found above the bark peeler shanty is remains of a rock slide. And I believe this is part of the rock slide that created Slide Mountain. That's about 1819, it's believed, when the side of Slide Mountain slid away in a huge rock slide that caused the naming of Slide Mountain. These days, hiking Slide Mountain is quite a bit easier than when famed nature writer John Burroughs attempted it in the late 19th century. Paul Misko explains. Now you can go on Route 47. There is the official state uh, DEC Slide Mountain Trailhead, plenty of parking, they have a portage on. And from there you could climb slide, I've done in an hour and 15 minutes. It's a relatively short hike for climbing the highest mountain in the Catskills. So it's well worth doing. And you want to always go prepared. We, we always are amazed at people that climb these big mountains with nothing but a water bottle and a camera. You've got to bring some emergency gear because, especially on slide, the weather could get bad all of a sudden. And I've seen that happen many times. And if you get hurt, if you break a leg or something on one of these tall mountains, it may be the next day before they get you out. So always go a little better prepared than you think you need to, even in the summer. Bring a jacket, you know, a fleece, a rain jacket, at least one flashlight. You're saying, well, we'll be back in the afternoon. You don't know that. I've seen many people stumbling down the mountain in the dark. Bring a, a fire starter, a lighter, book of matches, a map so you know where you're going. Make sure you, you check out the map before you start the hike. Bring enough to drink, extra food. All the emergency things you need can fit in a four pound fanny pack. So it's not a lot of gear, but it could make all the difference when you're lost in the woods. And it's almost comical to see people up there on the summit whip out their phone, they want to call a friend, and they're like, hey, I don't get any service. You don't want to depend on that. That's a good 
back up or, or just bring it as your camera, it probably will not work where you need it to work. There's a sign-in box at the beginning of most of the main trails, and the purpose of that is, you know, you're not back for dinner, and you're supposed to be. Somebody, the ranger, could go to that box and see if you signed out. If you didn't sign out, then you're probably still on the mountain somewhere hurt, and they know to send a rescue party. If you did sign out, they know you might be at a bar having way too many drinks or something, but at least they know they have an idea whether to start a search on the mountain or not. So don't just blow by the sign-in box. I sign in every time. It just takes a second. Such a simple thing to do it can save so much agony. Another thing I, I carry that I like is the, uh, the walking stick. I make walking sticks. It's made from curly maple. I've got all sorts of things I added to it. It's got inlaid wood, measures out three feet and inches along the length of it. It's got a compass built in on one side. It's got a thermometer on the other side. And on the top is a carved bear's head with a little red flashing strobe you could turn on and off. And if you unscrew the bear's head inside, I've got a lighter, a fire starter, and a flashlight. So just this walking stick alone covers 90% of your emergency gear in the woods. And it's kind of cool, gets a lot of people's attention and it's a conversation piece on the trail. I'm setting up a, a trail cam on this bark road to see how many bears are coming up and down because I fish up here sometimes at night and you hear things go bump in the woods. And I also, since the first time I set it up, I had two different bears, fox, and a coyote and a fisher. And I understand fishers are one of the few animals that can eat porcupines. So we'll just get it around the tree. We had um, a young one, you, know, you kind of call a teenager, kind of a, a skinny, gawky young bear. And then there's a medium one with one tag. And then there's a big, big brute, uh, 400 pounds plus maybe, with two ear tags. And apparently that means he's caused trouble twice and one more time and he's out. I don't know what out means. He, he gets set on a trailways bus or uh, becomes a carpet. I heard he was down at the campsite and the ranger drove his truck up to this big bear to kind of shoo him away. And the bear came up to the truck and circled the truck. So the bear is not afraid of people or trucks. So maybe we'll see him today later on. Um, you'll catch our screams on the audio. <laughs> Armed with little more than a microphone, we were happy not to see that bear. But later in the guide, we'll talk with a local hunter who actively seeks bears and other wildlife. As we roll to the west, down the hill from Bel Air, you're entering the Delaware River watershed. You'll see the Delaware and Ulster Railroad on your left. Soon thereafter, there'll be signs for Pytical Mountain Ski Center, which is several miles to the north and has mountain biking and excellent skiing. On your way to Plattic Hill in Arkville, you will see the Catskill Recreation Center, indoor recreational opportunities, as well as some outdoor. Continuing over the railroad tracks in Arkville, you will see Drybrook Road, which is a left turn, and there are several hiking opportunities up the Drybrook Valley, which is another scenic offshoot uh, from the scenic byway. First hiking opportunity will be a left turn into Ryder Hollow. 
there's a lean-to there, and the Rider Hollow Trail connects up to several of the high peaks. Numerous opportunities for day loops as well as overnight trekking trips. Continuing up Drybrook Valley, in about seven miles from the scenic byway, you will get to the Millbrook Road, and that's a right turn up a steep hill, and at the top of the mountain is the Drybrook Ridge Trail. And this is a very popular access to the Balsam Lake Mountain Fire Tower, which is reached in about two and three quarters miles. It's got 360 degree views of pretty much nothing but forest and mountain peaks. If you were to continue on the Millbrook Road uh, down into the Millbrook Valley, there'll be Kelly Hollow. It's a short three mile loop. There's a beaver pond in there. And these are actually designated cross-country ski trails as well. Uh, those particular trails are very challenging and I would classify them as backcountry. Back to the Drybrook Road, if you headed all the way up to the end of the valley where the road stops, you will encounter yet another trailhead, the Seeger Trailhead, and it goes up Shandaken Hollow into state forest land. There's a lean-to, and like Rider Hollow, it connects with the Ridge Trail that traverses several peaks between Biscuit Brook and Pine Hill. Just beyond Arkville, the scenic byway takes a right turn into the village of Margaretville. And the scenic byway goes down Main Street, and then it recrosses the east branch of the Delaware River on Fair Street. Now, if you go straight across the road to the south and up Fair Street, in a short distance, you would make a left to get to the Packatacken Mountain Trailhead. This is an extension of the Drybrook Ridge Trail, and it's, it's a rigorous hike. It goes up to the top of Packatacken and all the way across the Drybrook Ridge, eventually arriving at the Millbrook Road parking area. Along the way on this 10-mile stretch are outstanding views to the west from the ledges of Drybrook Ridge. Heading west from Margaretville on the scenic byway, the character of the landscape again becomes more wild as you begin to enter the Papacton Reservoir Basin, which of course is part of New York City's drinking water supply system. The first left turn is right by the Old Stone Schoolhouse, and the opportunities here include the Huckleberry and Hill Road hiking trails, which create a fairly difficult loop to get up onto the main section of Drybrook Ridge. The option here is to be able to park your car in one place and do a, a long day loop. Also at Stone Schoolhouse Junction, there is a New York City Board of Water Supply Road that goes along the south side of the Papacton Reservoir and it is on this road in a few miles where the Arena Boat Launch is located. And Arena is the name of a former hamlet that was once in the valley where the Papacton now is. The arena boat launch is one of five on the Papacton. The next one, the Perch Lake boat launch, you would access that by continuing west on the scenic byway past the schoolhouse to the junction of State Route 30. Turn left and that Perch Lake boat launch is located several miles along almost all the way to Shavertown where Route 30 crosses the Papacton Reservoir. I'm Ann Roberti. I'm an Andes resident and we're at the Shavertown boat launch at the Papacton Reservoir. We're going to go kayaking. 
I'm a board member of the Catskill Mountain Club, which is an outdoor organization here that um, leads outdoor recreational activities, one of which is paddling around this reservoir, but we've also been out on the Hudson and the Susquehanna and the East Branch of the Delaware. My name is Brian Wheaton. I'm a member of the Catskill Mountain Club. Um, I kayak here whenever I can. Um, I love it to death and I'm amazed more people aren't here. <laughs> The reservoirs that are open for paddling are the Schoharie, the Papacton, the Cannonsville, and Neversink. You have to have a New York City access permit. They're available for free. You can get them online and print the permit right from your computer. If you want to rent a boat, there's local vendors that rent boats, so you can go to Papacton Bait and Tackle in Arkville and fill out the paperwork there and pay, and they'll give you the life jacket and paddles and then you come to the reservoir and unlock the boats there and they'll set you up with the access permit at that time also. If you have your own boat, you have to have it steam cleaned and there are some local vendors around, one of which is packed in bait and tackle. It takes about half an hour to get your boat off the car, cleaned, paperwork done and back on the car. The steam cleaning is to keep invasive species out of the reservoir. You can get a season pass, which means you're leaving the boat here for the season, or you can get a three-day or a week pass. And the DEP police do come and check to make sure you have that sticker if you're out here. The Catskill Mountain Club is a group that organizes outdoor events, non-motorized events like hiking, cross-country skiing and snowshoeing and paddling. And I'm the one that usually leads our paddling trips. And for people who've never paddled before, we try to give them some instruction on the techniques for paddling. We help them get in and out of the boats and carry the boats around. And uh, for people who are more experienced paddlers, some of them even still don't know some of the finer points of paddling techniques, so we can talk about that and just talk about all the great wildlife we see when we're out here. We've seen a bear swimming across the reservoir. We've seen a fawn swimming across the reservoir. We watched a young bald eagle kind of learning how to fish. We had a beaver that we were, had gotten quite friendly with. He would get pretty close to us. What else have we seen, Brian? Oh, we had the chipmunk. When we were out on an official Catskill Mountain Club trip, one of the paddlers saw something swimming in the water towards him and he didn't know what it was at first and then it gets closer and out in the middle of the reservoir was a chipmunk and it clearly wasn't happy and he, it swam up to his boat and it looked like it wanted to get on so he put his paddle out in the water and the chipmunk climbed on the paddle and then he moved the paddle over to the top of his boat and the chipmunk climbed off and then walked up to the very tip of the bow of his boat and sat there until Tom could paddle over to the shore and then the chipmunk jumped off. So that was our big rescue of the year. This, this is just a magical place, it really is. Uh, once you've been out here a few times, you'll say, wow. Our most fun we had here that I remember is Ann and I were out one day, wind was blowing 20 miles an hour or 30 miles an hour, I don't know what. We had maybe one foot, 18 inch waves on the reservoir. So we paddled for an hour just to get up to that 
corner up there. I mean, it was really, really hard work. And then we turned around and we surfed back home. We didn't have to paddle, we just had to steer. It was absolutely wonderful. I grew up in Cornwall in England, came over here in 1964. There were no jobs in England for someone like me. So I flipped the coin, heads America, tails Australia. And here I am. I've been up here, I'd say 30 years now, pretty close. The first 10 or so weekends. And since I retired, I've been here full time and really enjoying it. Yeah, we met Brian because he came on one of our, our trips. Mm -hmm. our, he even got a computer because of that. I did. There's no way to get information on this club except via computer, and I didn't have a computer. I had no plans of getting one, but eventually I had to get one, otherwise I wouldn't know what was going on. <laughs> I had to keep calling people. After being in Queens, I moved to Long Island, and I took the Long Island Railroad in. It was almost a two-hour commute each way. So I got up in the morning and took the train in, worked all day, came home on the train, ate dinner and almost went to bed. But now we can come out here after work and it's a whole different life. And I, I often think about how, how different it is since I was able to come up here. In the spring when you're paddling like up the Tremberskill, you can actually go in between the trees and you feel like you're paddling in the bayou or something. And then as the water goes down, um, when it gets to be about October, these big rock faces come out of the reservoir over there and uh, waterfall. And you feel like you're in Colorado canyons then. And uh, it's just really spectacular. And if it's the water's really low, um, the town of Arena comes out, and we've gotten out and walked on the sidewalks of Arena, and there's still stairs that led up to houses and concrete foundations and the stone from a grist mill, so we can explore all those things uh, when the water's real low. The reservoir was formed by damming up a river that had four towns along it, and the towns and the nearby farms and properties were bought out, and um, most of them were demolished. And there's still uh, old roadways and sidewalks and things like that. Some of the towns are in areas of the reservoir that are so deep that we never see them, but Arena is close to the low end, and so when the waters are low, arena comes out of the water. We're on the internet at www.catskillmountainclub.org. You don't have to be a member of the Catskill Mountain Club to go on any of our events. Everything is totally free. We love when people become members because some of our activities do require us to spend money, but um, no one has to spend any money to do anything with us. Getting back to the scenic byway at the junction of Route 28 and 30, the scenic byway continues west and it climbs the big hill all the way up into the town of Andes. And at the top of the hill is the Palmer Hill Overlook, which looks back to the east at several mountaintops and really helps define the scenic character of the entire byway. There's also a trail at this location. It's a about a three mile loop trail continuing west uh, from the Palmer Hill Overlook down into the hamlet of Andes, you begin to get a sense of 
the more pastoral and farmland character of the landscape, there's still an active dairy farm on your right. Uh, in, in Andes, like many of our hamlets, there are restaurants and shops and uh, opportunity to uh, stroll the local streets and take in the flavor of the Catskills. In terms of outdoor recreation, just beyond this western terminus or gateway of the scenic byway is the Andes Rail Trail on County Route 2, also known as Cabin Hill Road. It's right outside the hamlet. And recently, the Catskill Mountain Club and others created this rail trail that goes down the Tremperskill Valley, uh, following the old rail that used to come up from the east branch of the Delaware. It goes for a little ways, and then there's an opportunity for some more mountainous hiking that's called the Bullet Hole Spur. So it makes for a neat little uh, day outing that's based at the historic railroad depot. And while we're on the subject of the Tremperskill, County Route 1, also known as the Tremperskill Road, goes south from the hamlet of Andes and connects to the Papacton Reservoir at Shavertown. There is another boat launch there called the Shavertown Boat Launch, and there's a hiking trail called the Shavertown Trail, which has excellent overlooks, and they're reached in a short distance, and there's a lake up on the top. And I recommend this one uh, for families or for those looking to take a short outing with good views. Okay, I'm gonna reach into my knapsack here and tell you a little bit about what I have in here. Got a little pair of binoculars, a flashlight, and a knife, some rope, some various scents, depending on what I'm hunting. Here's a deer grunt tube. I also have a turkey call here with me today. It's also turkey season. Tim Byron is a lifelong hunter and Catskills local. We joined him late fall, bow hunting deer. I've grown up in Phoenicia, 34 years old now, and I've been hunting for over 20 years. Growing up, my whole family hunted on my dad's side, and it was normal for me. Every fall, I could see my father and his brothers would be closer than ever. You know, they'd stop over to the house and talk about hikes that they'd taken and what they'd seen. And it really did seem like our family would grow closer in the fall during hunting season. And that's still the case today. My dad started taking me out hunting with him before I could actually hunt at an early age. And that's what I'm trying to do with my daughter now. And she really enjoys it, same as I did. And I'm really thankful that my dad started me out at a young age, um, taught me the ethical way to hunt. I want to carry that on to my children. If you're interested in coming hunting, the first thing that you would do is a lot of our local gun clubs here in the area, once or twice a year they have courses which are needed, um, hunter safety course. There's one offered for bow and arrow, there's another one offered for trapping, and there's another one offered for rifle hunting, small game, big game. Once you're certified, you can pick up your license uh, along the way here on 28. Access here in the Catskills um, for hunters, fishermen, kind of the same thing, and hikers is actually very good. 
Um, we have a lot of state land, which you're allowed to hunt on. There's also DEP property, Department of Environmental Protection. And you can go on the internet to the DEP website and you can print out an access permit. There are designated spots where it may be bow only or fishing only or just hiking. All the signage has pictures on it that tells you what kind of recreation is allowed in that particular spot. Once you get away from the reservoir, we have the state land, which is abundant. Sometimes access to that state land can be difficult. I have asked permission before from landowners, and more often than not, they're absolutely willing to let you park and go on the property. The worst thing for hunters and fishermen is to leave their garbage, and people do it all the time. Please pick up after yourselves, and, and it's usually not a problem. And I try to do something nice for the homeowner at the end of hunting season. I'll either bring them something that I've harvested or cooked, or I'll stop and, you know, get them a gift card somewhere. It really goes a long ways here in particular where we, we're hunting today. This is private land with state land all around it. And without the landowner's permission, I wouldn't be able to enjoy it back here. Hunting in the Catskills is really unique because there's so many different species and the hunting dates vary for each species. So at any given week, pretty much during the fall, some season is open. Early in October, duck season started, so we enjoyed that a little bit. And then turkey season starts later on in October. Right on through to December, there are different opportunities for hunters. The hunting that I enjoy the most these days is waterfowl hunting. Um, my lab is five years old, and my wife and I bought him because they're great family dogs, but the main reason was was that I've never hunted with a dog before. And I trained him myself. He absolutely loves it more than me. In fact, when I had to get ready to come today and put on my deer hunting outfit, I had to do it in the garage so that he wouldn't see me because he gets so excited and he just wants to go so badly that I do actually hide getting ready when I can't take him with me. So waterfowl hunting is my new favorite early fall. Deer season and bear season is just a little bit different, but it's just as enjoyable for me because my family's more involved with that. That's also a special time. So both are equally fun. We enjoy the meat. We do give a lot of it away, the deer meat and the bear meat. Around Christmas time, you bring somebody a piece of venison or a, a bear roast, their eyes light up, they smile. It's unique, and we enjoy passing on a lot of what we harvest. The waterfowl, I enjoy smoking, uh, different recipes. The bears, we have uh, rugs made out of the fur. And the deer as well, we tan the deer hide. My father has often given his deer meat away to some local families in need, especially if we get more than one deer in a season. He'll typically give one to a needy family. A 150-pound deer, which is a good-sized buck, that size deer, you can easily end up with 70 pounds of meat, 50 pounds of meat, anything from hamburger to steaks. And we... We try to ration it as much as we can because we do enjoy it so much, we'll try to enjoy it throughout the year. I really like wood guns, wood stock. Um, 
even iron sights. I do enjoy my scope guns, but there's something about just getting back to the earlier day and simplifying your equipment. And a lot of times that's using guns that were passed down from generation to generation in my family. I would much rather hunt with my grandfather's gun or my father's gun than a brand new state-of-the-art one. I have some long bows, which I enjoy shooting, and it's certainly capable of taking down a deer, but I don't feel comfortable enough with it. So I hunt with a compound bow. It has sights, and it's, it's fairly accurate up to 30 or 40 yards. In my 20 years of hunting, I've been able to bring home, I believe, eight deer and two bears. And um, ducks and geese, if I bring something home every time, that's a success. But that's kind of my, my score sheet so far here in, in the Catskills. Nine times out of ten, I come home empty-handed, but that's fine. Because I either have a story to tell when I come home, a new experience, I've seen something new or different. It's just wonderful. Well, thanks for listening. Of course, we've only touched upon some of the many highlights, and you can obtain uh, maps and you can visit the website, but to truly experience the character of the scenic byway in the greater region. Now that you're here and know about some of these highlights, we hope uh, you have the opportunity to explore them in more depth. And on behalf of the many partners who help make the scenic byway a reality, we hope you enjoy your visit to the Catskills. This driving guide was produced by Silver Hollow Audio and made possible by the generous support of Humanities New York and the Central Catskills Collaborative. Producer, Brett Barry. Original music by Josh Roy Brown. Special thanks to the Catskills Center, Peter Manning, and Carol O'Byrne. Thanks to everyone who participated in the project. Links and info at drive28.com. I'm Boyd Gaines. Thanks for listening and happy travels wherever the road takes you. Cat's Cast is a production of Silver Hollow Audio. Please be sure to subscribe wherever podcasts are found for free and automatic delivery every two weeks. Until next time, I'm Brett Barry. Thanks for listening.